0: it feels good to be back everybody happy 2024 happy february of 2024 i don't know why i'm speaking like this in the intro but welcome back to the first concept episode of the podcast in quite a long time i'm gonna cut straight to the chase if you guys saw my twitter which i still refuse to call x looking at you elon musk you guys will have seen that I made a big announcement today, probably the biggest announcement in this channel, or in this podcast for quite a while, and that is, unfortunately for the select few NBA fans that tuned in every time I uploaded, from here on out, this podcast is going to be mainly Dayton basketball focused. Yes, I know, it's it was a tough decision to make, I mean that with every fiber of my being, but in the end, it came down to something quite simple. UD basketball, or, or even the University of Dayton, has been in my family since 1965. I'm a third-generation Dayton Flyer. It's something that I actually pay attention to. It's something I tweet about constantly. It's something that is in my blood. It, Hell, it's the reason I exist. So, to be honest, and I, I think that kind of propels it above a, newfound passion of the NBA. Don't get me wrong. Still love the NBA. Still play 2K religiously. Hope no one is, you know, hearing me say that, you know, given in the professional in the professional world, but it doesn't matter. But because I'm focusing on the Dayton Flyers, two things are going to happen. One logo is definitely going to change. So um, I looked on my Twitter feed today. Hopefully I can get a few more suggestions of any uh, new logo designs. Might kind of stick with something along the lines of the one I got now, but you know, give it a UD twist, if you know what I mean. Give it the red and blue. Maybe put a little uh, sneaky Rudy flyer on there. Uh, And uh, flying with Doug, Doug, if you're uh, listening to this, uh, maybe I take some inspiration from you and uh, maybe insert a little chapel blue in there. You never know. Um, Other thing I want to talk about I'm going to get started in this Dayton content right away, everybody, because this season for the Dayton Flyers, I'm going to be brutally honest and say I came into this with no expectations. Since 2017, Dayton has not made the March Madness. Since 2017, a lot of those times we were the favorite. But I kept the faith and I. To be honest, again, I don't think many others did, but with this season in particular, this team has given us a reason to pay attention, and I won't gloss over it too much because I'm sure you've seen it somewhere on CBS Sports Network, ESPN, or any other bracketology, college basketball related, what have you. It's probably all on that smorgasbord. Dayton, as things stand currently, February 7th, they're 18th in the country. At no point in this entire season did I expect my Dayton Flyers to be ranked. Yet we've been ranked for a while. And my God, it's a good feeling. It it, it truly is, especially in this age of NIL, especially in this age of Transfer Portal. But if I want to put this even simpler, we're just playing damn good basketball. I'm seeing good basketball. I'm seeing a completely different brand of of Dayton basketball. we I've, I'm seeing a renaissance. I think that's the greatest way to put it. This Dayton team is a renaissance. But as we're approaching four minutes into this recording, I'm not going to waste any of y'all's time because out of all the weeks that are behind us now, as much as I want to gloss over the fact that we're 18 overall, this week in particular is going to be probably the most important week of the Dayton Flyers' entire season. Why? Not just because of the game that happened yesterday, February 6th, which I'll talk about in just a second, but of what's coming up. So, let's get started. Let's talk about yesterday. Dayton Flyers head to Pennsylvania to take on St. Joe's or St. Joseph's University, which Dayton um, definitely sets a standard in the Atlanta 10 Conference, arguably in college basketball, my completely unbiased opinion, of having a legitimate arena, having a good, you know, platform, a safe platform for both teams to perform. Um St. Joe's very clearly doesn't have the same agenda as we do. Uh that's okay if they want to keep it that way for heritage purposes, that's perfectly perfectly fine by me. But I bring this up because I look at Twitter a lot now. Uh, especially a lot more, because I've gotten a significant increase in following in the last couple weeks. Thank you to you all. I uh, hope you are listening to this, by the way. I had no idea just how close fans are to the players in that gym. And it, yes, I called it a gym. It's a fucking gym, guys. Let's be honest. Sorry for the French, but it's a fucking gym. Let's be honest. I think they, they do need to rethink in that department. But even if I'm not going to complain about that, going into that game, here's what was at stake. Dayton, at the time, were 18-3. and A couple games back, they had lost against Richmond, or a few games back, they lost against Richmond for the first time in the Atlanta 10. At the time, I thought the Flyers had put it behind them. But to get through the first part of the week, they had to go through St. Joe's, won five of the last six. They had Eric Reynolds, who is um, <coughs> normally a weapon, and then they had an extra target. They had Lynn Greer the third on their team. Lynn Greer, if you don't know, is a former Dayton Flyer who uh, decided to transfer mid-season. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for that, Lynn. So I was cautiously optimistic. The, the first few minutes did not give me too much hope. Flyers went down fifteen to five very early on. Saint Joe's was hitting absolutely everything. And so I did something in that moment that I usually do not do. I pull away from the game. Yep, I know what people are going to say. You are going to want to light me on fire. You have a Dayton podcast, and you're going to be so hypocritical enough to pull away from a game that you love dearly. As a matter of fact, I did. I have a very good reason for that, because of something called superstition. Shout out to if you wonder. Let me explain this. During the LSU game, if we want to flash back the clock a little bit, Dayton was down by as much as 15. I was watching this game on a stream. Won't get into why, but I was. And I made the decision to shut the stream off, go downstairs in my house, and put the ESPN GameCast on, just on my phone. Don't know, I don't know what forced me to do it, I just decided to do it. The minute I started doing that, the Flyers started coming back. Flyers came up from 15 down to win by three. So, not the biggest superstitious guy at all, but I did the same thing last night. I'd be lying to you guys if I said I didn't. I paused the stream. In fact, I just wiped it from my computer and then turned ESPN on. Little by little, the lead was chipping away. Dayton went into the half only four points down. Couple points I want to make. Uh, first of all, as I mentioned about the audience, uh, you guys sit way too close to the uh, to the floor. I'm starting to think that uh, they need to at least give it a row back or something. There was quite a lot of um, trash talking. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock that. You know, I was a student in the UD student section. I fully get it. I said some quite outlandish things in my day won't say what, um, no, no slurs or anything, don't worry, uh, just, you know, I like to think that getting inside players' heads means, uh, just shouting completely absurd and random comments, because their response is, you know, typically to go, what the hell is he going on about? I don't know, I I couldn't hear what the St. Joe's player, uh, St. Joe's fans were shouting, but they were getting into our heads, um, Kobe Elvis picked up a technical before the half ended, um, like I'm guessing the fans really tipped him off. Uh, we'll get into why I think that was a huge mistake. But there's a big event that I do want to talk about. It's something I tweeted about today. There were two things I really think that lit the fire under UD's belly. The first being the fans, as I mentioned already. They got under Kobe Elvis' skin for sure, getting that rather stupid technical. But I think something else absolutely fueled it as well. For the first time in quite a while in the A-10, it might be the first time I've actually ever seen it in the A-10, a flagrant two. Someone was thrown out of the game. Thankfully, it wasn't a flyer. Um, I don't know when this was in the first half. Uh, Flyers forward Nate Santos, who has been brilliant this season, by the way, uh, driving into the paint, uh, I guess you know, trying to get a putback or get open in the mid-range. He's going in, Sancho's player, you know, just about exiting the paint, looks left, notices Santos coming at him. And as Santos is coming in, he decides to not go for the ball and clothesline him. Just elbowed him right in the jaw. Now, I don't I'm not gonna get into reasoning as to why someone thought this was a good idea or anything like that. But in my point of view, I've had multiple views of this. That was intentional. Like, I, I don't think you hit somebody off so off the ball like that and then look away as if nothing happened if you didn't mean it. Like, you meant that. And to be honest, I think he's lucky Santos or someone on the Flyers didn't give him a two-piece. Shout-out to the Flyers for not escalating something because, you know, we don't want to let their fans win. That's not what we want. Santos was okay. He got uh, got up and uh, dominated in the second half. Meanwhile, uh, Santos' player was rightfully kicked out. I'm going to declare something. I think he should serve a suspension as well. That is a very dirty hit, very dirty play, off the ball, and it endangers the safety of a player. I'm not saying this as a Dayton fan. I'm saying this as somebody who cares for the safety of a player and a student. Like, Santos is a key piece of Dayton, you know, and getting hit so off the ball like that, not even an apology, by the way, like, their coach thought it was not intentional, um, get out, get your head out of your ass, buddy, like, just, I don't know, it was unbelievable, um, seeing that, and then the half come along, the second half, though, guys, I'm not gonna get ahead of myself here, that might have been one of the best halves if not the best half, of Dayton Flyers basketball I have ever seen. It takes a lot for me to say that. It takes a lot for Twitter to say that. It takes a lot for UD fans to say that, because we've endured quite a lot of pain. I got ya. Long story short, the Flyers put up 60 in a half. 60. 60. Some teams don't even put 60 up in an entire game. The Flyers were down by as much as 11. They went into the first half down four. They ended up winning by 15. Everyone in the Dayton starting lineup were in double digits in points. Deron Holmes, shout out to my guy. Everyone thinks he's going to be the centerpiece. But what I am constantly tweeting, what I, what I said last night was last night's performance proved that this isn't just Deron Holmes and a team around him. This is just a team. It's not a group of individuals. It's a collective group of guys. We have a group of guys that can hurt you if you're the opposition. Not physically hurt you, but you know what I mean. And I think that's what we saw the night. Kobe Elvis had a double-double, 10 assists, 21 points. Nate Santos, who I'll bring back up here, 21, absolutely erupted in the second half. And again, I am pretty sure it's because of what fueled them in the first half. They came in angry, and I can tell. I won't even give a shout out to Javon Bennett, 18 points, five ten, unbelievable, dude. Javon Bennett is probably a. It was one of the biggest keys for Dayton's success this season. He's one of the biggest. He's the biggest plus minus overall out of the entire Dayton lineup when he's in the game. Not the run homes. Javon Bennett. Who knew? As a five foot four person myself, shout out. You are standing up for our short people. Thank you. 5'10 is not very short, but in basketball, it is. So let's call him a short king in basketball. Flyers are going to win 94-79. I mean, getting 94 points is... As a Dayton team, at any point is incredible. Um, Eric Reynolds for St. Joe's, who is uh, supposedly going to be a weapon, was absolutely not. He came in um, with twenty nine, I think it was um, twenty nine straight double digit games. He went, he finished with seven, which um, I think that needs to be applauded. Uh, we did not let Lynn Greer the third have a revenge game, which is another huge point. I mean, you have no idea how afraid I was that he was going to start gunning for us. And for the first couple minutes of the game, he was. Flyers win improved to 19-3. Um, a rather good start to uh, arguably the hardest, we- hardest week of the season for the Dayton Flyers. Now, it's one game. So why do I think it's still going to be the hardest week? Gonna quickly take an audio break. Let me get to what's next. It's time for me to play the little game of let me tell you something you probably didn't know about me. This podcast is all about Dayton, it's about the Dayton Flyers. It's about ohio it's about basketball however what if i told you that before 2017 before 2018 actually i had no affiliation with the state none i live there now connor which is my name came from the glorious commonwealth actually of virginia Born and raised near the D.C. area, but still, growing up, Dayton Flyer, third-generation Flyer, grandparents met and married there, Uh, dad and uh, stepmom met and eventually married there. Um, I did not find a significant other, but uh, I think I'm okay with that for now. Don't want to go too off-topic. Why am I bringing this up? Why am I saying out of nowhere that I'm a Virginian? Because Flyer fans... Listen to me carefully when I say that. As a Virginian, I have never stepped foot in my Commonwealth's capital. Not once. I have not been to Richmond one time. Never. I am 22 going on 23. Now, there could be a multitude of reasons for that. Number one, I live on the other side of the state. And number two, it's mainly that I'm driving past it. But there's a third big reason... Because that's enemy lines. Not just University of Richmond, who um, I still can't stand. Thanks for the uh, A-10 tourney 2022 disappointment, and thanks for a couple weeks ago. Really appreciate it. Don't know how much you paid the refs, but thank you. Not just Richmond, though. There's one more. We've seen big rivalries, everybody. Not just in Dayton, but in basketball. You got Dayton Xavier. You got Dayton Davidson. If you even want to stretch it, you got Dayton George Mason. You got Dayton Ohio State. You got Dayton Kansas. I'm making a bunch of rivalries, but you get my point. But there's a rivalry now that's way, way bigger. Maybe not as big as Xavier, but Bigger right now. This Friday, two days from now, the Atlantic 10's biggest rivalry kicks off for its next installment. Dayton travels to Richmond to play VCU. It's that time again. It's time for a showdown. I am so ready for this. The Atlantic 10 is ready for this. College basketball is ready for this. John Rothstein is ready for this. One of the biggest college basketball analysts out there. This is nationally televised for a good reason. The Atlantic 10 is not going to be looked at in a good light that often. But when these two teams come together, you bet your bottom dollar it's going to be. Dayton VCU will happen this Friday in the Commonwealth's capital. I keep forgetting it's a Commonwealth. I think it's stupid that it's called a Commonwealth. As a Virginian, I kept calling it a state. Probably still will for no good reason. This is going to be obviously bigger than St. Joe's. This is truly why that this week is going to be the hardest week I knew St. Joe's was going to maybe give us a kick. The thing with VCU, I don't know what's going to happen. No one does at this rate. But against VCU, all bets are off. And it's not not just me. It's not just me as an alum. It's not just me as someone who looks at the rivalry. (coughs) Excuse me. It's someone who's looking at the latest numbers. The last four regular season times that these two sides have met in a 10 regular season pro play guess what's happened the away team has won so what does that mean well it means a couple of things let me break it down first of all it gives me a little bit more confidence about this anthony grant uh shout out to sully i think he, he was the one who pulled up the record just now anthony uh anthony grant against vcu um in vcu's arena don't know the arena's names don't really give a shit three and three if we compare that to the home and neutral record against vcu that's by far the best dayton has won the last two times we have visited vcu so let's just hope that uh god's not looking down on us and going you know what third time's a charm Dayton will go in as the favorite, as 18th ranked in the country. They will go in hungry. You know, just beating St. Joe's and putting up 94 in an away game. Believe me, that second half gave me a good amount of confidence. But, guys, this is VCU we're talking about. This is a team that, like, no matter what, no matter how many times they beat us, no matter how many times they evaporate our hopes of going to the March Madness, they are always going to be out for blood. Because that's just what the rivalry is. We could be in dead last, and they could be right at the top. And you know what? They're still going to play like they have everything to play for. We're going to do the same thing. Flyers only lost one game in the conference. VCU has lost three. Now, I think this would be a good time to kind of break down VCU in itself. Because if it's confidence you Flyer fans want if it's keys to the game you guys want. I got both. I got both. Trust me. Let's just start with our opponents. VCU just came off of beating Richmond. Handed Richmond its first loss in the A-10. Now, this moves a lot of needles, but I didn't say it moved all needles. Because they both play in Richmond. They also hosted Richmond. Dayton, on the other hand... Had to travel multiple hundred miles to go play at Richmond, at a sellout crowd, and eventually lost. What I'm saying is not to be picky, but if you level the playing field here, the results will be very different. Now I'm not saying that's not a quality win for VC whatsoever, as even as a Dayton fan, credit where it's due, but. They're going to be a hard scene to break down. Every team in the Atlantic 10 has some sort of weapon that we have to analyze before we get into that game. There could be a few to pick here. There's only two at VCU that I'm going to be looking at. Let's start with the main guy, Max Shulga. Max Shulga transferred to VCU this past season. Put up almost a double, uh, put up, sorry, almost put up a triple-double last game uh, in their win against Fordham, or the win at Fordham. Max Shulga is, a, is one of those guards who can do a bit of everything. He's honestly like a bit of a more offensive Josh Hart. On the rebounding end, passing end, shooting end, he also averages more than 41% from three. Max Shulga is a double-double threat. Without him, that offense doesn't run. It might run, but not as well. It's like a car missing a cylinder or a spark plug. He's their spark plug other player I'm going to bring up doesn't even come from their starting lineup. It comes from their bench. Joe Bamasil, however you pronounce it. He is going to be someone that we, as Dayton fans, need the bench to stay alert. A few games ago, he put up, I I think it was like 28 or 30 just off the bench and hit like seven threes. If we're going to give him the chance to hit even a glimmer of that that game, this is going to be a rocky path. There's going to be a lot of defensive stops, and there's going to be a lot of you know making sure that we force turnovers, which I think is a great way to transition into the final point of this episode. Real quick before I let you guys go are the main keys of the game. What am I going to be looking for here? Well, let's start with these past couple of games through Dayton because it is relevant to what, we need to apply for VCU. The past couple of games, what I've noticed, Richmond, and if you looked at my Twitter too, I tweeted this as well, Dayton should be thanking their lucky stars they got the wake-up call their loss to Richmond. It came at the perfect time, and it came against the perfect opponent. It's still considered a good loss to Dayton. It's a quad one loss at this rate. That's not why I'm focusing on it. In that game against Richmond, for the most part of the game, we shut down their main weapon in Jordan King. Mind you, we got a little hot later on. We shut down their weapon, but what the Dayton Flyers failed to do is close any door to a secondary weapon becoming hot. Richmond found that weapon. They found a couple of them, actually, that got hot in the second half. And this is rather important because these next couple of games, oh boy, they understood this assignment very well. A way to, uh, let's let's start with the GW game a couple games ago. James Bishop, GW guard, haunted Dayton in their loss to them last, in Dayton's loss to them last year. Easily 20-point threat, runs, again, like Max Shulga, runs the offense. It is one thing, I am firmly believing this, it is one thing to shut down a team's primary weapon. But it is another thing to not give a team a chance to find a secondary weapon. That's exactly what Dayton did. Huge win for the Flyers. James Bishop, who normally would average 18 a game, came in and put up 10 points. No threes. I think he finished like 0 for 6 from three. Dayton cruised to victory. Splendid performance throughout. They, they understood the assignment. Against St. Bonaventure, a bit more of a rocky effort. But with a St. Joe's game? People, we need to understand how tricky it was to shut down Eric Reynolds. This is a guy coming in with almost 30 straight double-digit performances. He will easily put up 30 if he feels the need to. Dayton had him score 7 points. At one point, he was one for 10, one for 11. He missed seven or eight straight threes before hitting one with maybe two minutes left in the game. And if people even think that's a stretch, they had a secondary threat, at least for that game, in Lynn Greer, you know, big target on Dayton's back. He wanted to have a revenge game. Initially, he was. Even the Flyers didn't let him get hot. We focused on our game made sure we stayed solid offensively. We shared the ball. It didn't look like we took too many dumb shots. The zone defense needs a little bit of a talking about. But for the most part, we were smart. We acted like a team. And because we acted like a team when we came out of that half fierce, they just couldn't respond. Even if Eric Reynolds decided to hit four straight threes, it wouldn't have mattered. And that is huge. Huge. That, and that comes at the right time, just three days before facing VCU. We are coming into that game with a good attitude, a good mentality, a great performance, and good overall team play, and a team that shuts down weapons. It seemed like even if St. Joe's wanted to push their pace, which is a much faster pace than us, it seemed like at the end of the day, no matter what the pace, we made it our game. And that's what I think the Flyers are going to need to do with VCU. Shut down Max Shulga. Shut down Zeb Jackson, who's another going to who's going to be another big one in the lineup. You make sure you force Max Shulga into a ton of turnovers. Make sure he doesn't get active on the glass. So boxing out is going to be big. Looking at you, Isaac Jack. Looking at you, Duran and Nate Santos. You guys gonna need to box out. You guys do just that. And get hot early and share the wealth everywhere, guys. It's going to be hard for me to believe that a ten uh, that Dayton won't win the a ten. We played like an at large team last game. Let's do it again. Who says no? By the way, d- uh, ESPN bet analytics are actually giving us a m- more of a chance to win this game than they gave us St. Joe's. I figured, let's take it. Let's show I were ranked 18th. A win against VCU, hell, that might put us in top 15. Maybe top 14. Dayton has one of the biggest stats, and this is the last thing I'll say before I let you guys go. Dayton has the fourth best resume in the nation. That is not a word of a lie. Look it up. Dayton has no bad losses, has good wins, and is on a good streak. And has a pretty good strength of schedule still. Way stronger than Richmond's. They're a cakewalk. So I don't know about you Flyer fans. I'm ready. As a Virginian, I do not affiliate with VCU other known... As very crappy university. I don't fuck with it. Let's go in there and let's increase that record to four and three for Grant's sake. Let's get a good coached game. Let's get a good performed game. Let's get hot. Let's stay hot. Let's drown out the fan noise. Evil Elvis. Kobe, let's do it. Let's do it again. Santos needs to take another hit to light him up in the second half. Oh, do it. Come on. Bring it on. We're not afraid. We'll talk. Talk to us. We talk back. So, February 7th. That is all I will have for you guys right now. But I'm so happy to be back doing this. Back reporting on the Dayton Flyers. You guys can catch me on a number of streams in the next coming weeks. Uh, I will be... More than active on Twitter to let you guys know about what's coming up. Until then, go Flyers. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Watch some damn basketball. Let's go do this. Until then, I've been your host, Connor, as always. Cheers, guys.